Hi guys, welcome to another episode on the podcast. Got myself, Brian Gold, my co-host Squints, and our new friend, Stefano. Thank you for having me. Welcome, brother. Thank you for driving all the way up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good drive. <laughs> um, so normally we start off with people giving a little background on themselves, and then we just kind of see which way the conversation takes us. So want to tell us how you kind of got to where you are today and all the social media stuff you've accomplished and what you're doing. You know, you moved yeah. a long way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally on farthest points. Uh, so five years ago, I came to the US, um, met my wife, she's American. Um, met my wife before I came here. We were introduced by mutual friends and that's what got me here. Um, I thought, you know, US is a pretty cool place to live. I've been here many, had been here many times before um, and I'm happy and grounded here, that's for sure. And my background's in uh, behavioral science, psychology, uh, trauma, somatics. Uh, I've been in the you know personal transformation space or industry, for lack of a better term, for the last 23 years. I started really young. And I would just meet people where I was at. Like I started when I was 18. I'd start with physical health and then mental health. I got qualified in um, uh, you know NLP hypnosis, um, some timeline therapy, some, some basic, like, well, a little bit more than basic, but some <clears throat> some modalities as I was studying um, behavioral science, psychology, and so forth, developmental psych, and all that, um, and just started just threw myself in it. I just wanted to do something like yourself when we we're talking about the cars earlier, yep. right? You just follow what your bliss, you know, whatever yeah. you're, you're passionate about. And I thought, well, if I can monetize this and you know survive per se. Back then, I was just thinking about surviving. I wasn't thinking about thriving. Um, then I'm winning. I'm doing something that I enjoy and I'm making money. Cool. And so. Ultimately, what got me into that though was my own upbringing. You know, the and I'm not I'm not new to this. I'm not the only one that's had a difficult upbringing. I'm the only one that grew up with violence, or that grew up in an abusive household, or that grew up with um, you know volatility and and dysfunction and all that. And but that's what really drove me to want to be of service to other people and to help other people. Was this unconscious? I figured it out now. Back then, I didn't know. But this unconscious need to sort of heal myself. But I couldn't do the work directly on me because it was too much for me. I wasn't willing to look at that stuff. And as a result of that, I sort of lived two lives. So I lived this life where I was really interested in helping people and studying the human mind and human performance. And I worked with uh, gold medal Olympians, um, elite athletes, world champion fighters, um, uh, elite uh, soldiers, you know, special operations guys back in Australia, SAS and commando, SAS regiment commando units. Um, in high performance and mental resilience and all of that. And I was exposed to awesome things, but I was never looking at my stuff. And the two lives that I would live was was this this life of of really exploring human consciousness, but never my own. And then in the sort of, in the dark side of things, I was just, you know, addicted to sex, uh, addicted to love, um, you know, prostitution, the dark side of sexuality, um, constant... Uh, cheating on my partners just i wasn't i wasn't i was very unstable within myself but was showing to the world that i was stable and it wasn't really until i, I really started delving deeper into my own psychology and my own trauma that i was able to unravel all that <clears throat> and it was it was challenging it was, it was a lot of close calls where i thought uh, you know it's time to end this life it was just way too much um but luckily i didn't and I, my whole life started changing from that point and, and the integrity that I carried in the work that I did and the meaning, more importantly, actually, the meaning that my work carried, it wasn't, I wasn't searching outside of myself anymore because I had started to really work with the stuff that was ruptured inside. That's sort of 30,000 foot high level overview. Yeah. That's a <laughs> yeah. lot to digest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Kind of goes into our conversation the other day with Andrew, though. Yeah, about uh, early childhood trauma. You it know. kind of pushes you to that level of success or that drive of always wanting to. We had a former CIA agent on last week, and he basically explained how the CIA recruits people. So they with... profile based off of early childhood trauma. Yeah. But not too much trauma. It has yeah. to be like a sweet spot of... All right. He may have been beaten. He may have been verbally abused, but he wasn't sexually abused. Like they, they want somebody that's seeking, pleaser, seeking approval, that's right, and striving for approval. Yep. But not med like self medicating or going a yeah. darker route. You know. Yeah. yeah. And they they they're compensating essentially. So they're compensating for their pain with achievement or mm -hmm. with recognition or with validation. Yeah. And that makes for a a wonderful recipe for external success in the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would argue. Argue is a very you know combative word, but I would, I would posit that most successful people, how we gauge success in our world, and yeah. it's, it varies a little bit. It's a little bit subjective, but it varies. Have some level of unresolved trauma, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a criticism, by the way. Um, some level of unresolved and or resolved trauma, largely unresolved, that fuels that's their avoidance of that trauma. That was the same thing he said, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, it's a pain-pleasure thing. The greater the pain, the greater the pleasure. Simple as that. It's... Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. I mean, as a parent, it's it's a lot to think about of, like, we want to coddle our children, obviously, but in some sense, we see that, like, you know, giving a, a much better life obviously makes makes weak humans, right? In some sort of a, in some sort of a way, we find that in the results. So it's, it was an interesting uh, outlook on things. Yeah, finding a balance of like, you know, wanting to do better for your children, but also, you know, wanting to instill values in them that make them want to uh, succeed. That's the tough uh, struggle. Yeah, does it matter? Does it not matter? I mean, I mean, we could go on forever with that, right? Man, I'm, I'm my my perception of things is like so far out there that like the relevance of any of that shit is like is you know, with the wind, right? But I like what you touched on about yeah. what I heard you say was resilience. You know, like we're, we're so, I think as a society, we're so less resilient than what we need to be collectively. I mean, <clears throat> we all have first world problems now, basically. Yes. And we're constantly consumed with this information of, of like first world outlook on things because, you know, if we had some real, real issues, and I know it's a very tumultuous time and like mm -hmm. world politics and stuff, but there is no clear cut like enemy at the moment. So that's kind of keeping us kind of separated and all over the place, you know? Mm -hmm. I think if we had some like real drama, drama that, you know, go back a hundred years, these people experienced like World War One, World War Two. That was a whole different outlook on life, right? Because oh, yeah. it showed you how cheap life was at any given moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you didn't die from war, you died from starvation. Yeah, or anything that happened to do sickness. with that, you yeah. know. Who was um Who was president when Gorbachev was president? Do you remember? Uh, Gorbachev would be Reagan and Bush, right. right? I think you're right. I think it's right. So I, I remember uh, I heard something a few days ago. They were talking about the Cold War, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was Reagan said to Gorbachev, "If we had an external threat like an alien or something, would you would you support the U.S.? Would you join forces with us?" And Gorbachev's answer was yes. And it was in, in in relation to a conversation around COVID, and the gentleman was saying, "I don't think we actually got together as a as a, as a global society around COVID. We didn't. We didn't. We're we didn't. still pointing fingers, isolated. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't big enough, huh? 
Basically, that's what this guy was saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Very interesting. COVID's a whole another beast. I mean, yeah. I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a light beast, man. Such yeah. Such a light beast. Um, but on the, I don't even want to call it life coaching, but on the mentorship and all the stuff you're doing, what's the common theme you're seeing in relationship issues or just friendship issues in general? And I have my opinions or views on it, but just want to get your take on what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's many, and I would, I'd make a wild guess that your, your views aren't, wouldn't be that much off what I'm probably about to say, but um, trust issues are a big one. People being um, able to be themselves. So they're wearing masks, pretending to be someone that they're not, you know, appeasing other people. Um, uh, sexual dysfunction for men in, in their own their own sense of self. So self-worth's a big thing. And it come, again, compensation, right? You don't think you're worthy enough and you, you play a particular role in the relationship that's not really you and that wear, wears you out and it wears a relationship out. It's just not being honest, right? Um, sexual disconnection in the relationship as well, like intimacy issues, basically, in relationship. Um, communication issues and conflict and, and, and arguing. And a lot of this is, um, it comes from, again, unresolved childhood stuff that you're playing out. You know, Harville Hendricks, um, he's, a, he's a, a mentor of mine and an old, old school, um, I guess, relationship expert. And, and I'll paraphrase, but basically, in our adult intimate relationships, we attract and we bring in what we both did and did not receive both unconsciously and consciously from our parents, from our primary caregivers. Like that's the that's the relationship we have that we peg everything against un unknowingly most of the time, right? Um, another big issue as well in relationships is this, is this um, polarity confusion, like masculine, feminine um, dynamics that aren't, aren't playing out too well. Like men are confused around their own masculinity. Women are confused around their own ma uh, femininity and masculinity. Feminine and masculine are just energetics that live within us, but we do associate, and they are connected to biology, but they're also connected to culture. Uh, in my, from my perspective, <coughs> some people will say that they're, they're not connected to um, biology at all, and it's completely culturally constructed. I don't think that's the case, and I can s share why, but... Um, they're some of the big issues that I'm seeing in, in intimacy and relationship. What are some of the tools someone can kind of, obviously, you know, it's months or years worth of work to get to yeah. a good place, but what are some tips to get someone headed in the right direction? Yeah, so a couple of things. Firstly, I say to men, go surround yourself with other men, healthy men that, that are going to challenge you, call you forward, um, you know, point out your blind spots. So many men, that probably leads to another issue that I see in relationships. Relationships are very codependent. Most relationships are very codependent. Most people don't have separate lives in their relationships, yeah. right? And so they're attached to each other and they're reliant on each other to be everything. You have to be everything for me. It's, yeah. not, it's not possible. It's not, no. you know, that old saying takes a village to raise a child. Mm -hmm. There's some real deep truth to that, right? So we're putting everything in this one relationship. That's a, that's a problem. So men are very isolated, generally speaking, in the world that we live in today. Most men don't have friends. They don't have close friendships. They don't have people they can trust. They have father wounds. In other words, they haven't had a great relationship with their own father. They've been <clears throat> hyper-feminized or they've been hyper-masculinized because they've, they've had to be, right? They've had to survive, essentially. They've grown, grown up on the streets or they've been in high-level competition with their peers that aren't really their peers. They're their competitors, right? Plus, couple that with the society that we live in, which is highly individualistic, you have a recipe for isolation. 
So men need to start surrounding themselves with other men and form friendships. You know, join a join a gym, join a join a, a weekend rugby team or something. Even if it's just super simple stuff like being the body. Men men like to be in the body, right? So, and with women, it's also having a very safe space to have an outlet, to, to, to verbally process, to, to emote as well. What, what happens then is that when men are in familiar spaces with other men and women are in familiar spaces with other women, they feel safe enough to begin to bring stuff to each other, right? And they can engage in communication tools. So I'll give you a very simple example. It's something that my wife and I do, and it can be really challenging, but it's super simple. So especially when we're in hard times. And and to be transparent, some of the hardest times we're facing, not only in our lives individually, but as a couple is now. Because we, we have a 17-month-old baby girl. Um, and the first you know year of parenthood was really, really challenging. I don't know if you guys, I know you guys are parents, but... He's just I past it. that point. Yeah. I'm just, just past that I'm point. a little ahead of you. I'm about to be too. Yeah. Okay. And I don't, right know what, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it was like for you, but for us, it's been, it's been really challenging, largely because... We're both very entrepreneurial um, and, you know, so much identity has shifted and changed, you know, for us having a child. And we love being parents. I love being a father, man. I can't, as challenging as it is, I can't tell you how, I can't put into words how fucking amazing it is. It is everything, right? And just watching her grow and just being responsible for her in so many ways. And I don't want to get on a sidetrack, but something that we do, right? A, a, a practice that we have is we combine something called Imago therapy or Imago dialogue, I should say, which is Harville Hendrix's work and nonviolent communication, NVC, right? And so we'll allocate a couple of days a week where on day, we'll call it Monday, Christine just expresses to me things that are unresolved or unexpressed, right? And it's a safe space for her to do so. I'm not judging her. I'm not criticizing her. I'm only actively listening to her. I'm empathizing with her and I'm mirroring to her. So mirror, uh, mirror, validation and empathy are the three steps of the Imago dialogue, right? And so I'm just repeating back what she's saying. I'm, I'm, I'm there to listen to her. I'm not there to give her my response or my solution or, oh, no, but you, you don't understand. You didn't see this and, 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 and you're, you're basing your emotions. And No, no, I'm just there to listen. That's it. Yeah. Could take 10 minutes, could take four hours. I don't know. Depends, right? Depends where we're at. <laughs> That's it. We complete that. The, the NVC is you, you, uh, you make an observation, you share an emotion, you make a request, or you rather you, you share what your needs are and then you make a request. All this stuff's on the internet, super simple. The practice of it's far more challenging. <laughs> and so in that, she'll make observations, she'll make requests, she'll share what her needs are, she'll share her emotions. So she's not going to project her emotions on me. She's not going to say, you made me feel this, right? Um, she's going to say, this is what happened as a result of that. This is what I felt. This is what it reminded me of. And then again, I go in that process. So we blend those two. It takes time to blend the two, but you figure it out. And then we let it simmer for a couple of days. And then often the next day, we just have a bit of a discussion about that, just to touch base, to tie a bow on it, and that's it. Then maybe come Thursday, it's my turn. And I'll, I'll share with her all the things that I want to share. And it could be things that I don't that are really difficult to share. Like, hey, um, we're in a place right now where, you know, I, I'm thinking of maybe divorce or separation. And there's, now she can have her emotions about it, but there's no response back. There's no judgment on that. We're minimizing all that. The next day we can talk about all that. I'll give you an example of something that could be challenging to speak about, right? Um, but it's really creating a safe space for each other as a couple to learn how to communicate and having frameworks that are simple to use in the back of your mind and learning these frameworks to use them as a guide to navigate your conversation. Otherwise, what happens? 
start going back and forth, it becomes ping pong or fucking pickleball now because that's, that's the latest craze. Yeah. <laughs> um, it becomes back and forth of just a screaming match or you're, you're coming from your own unresolved childhood wounding, like just patterns of the past that you just play out and you bring into your adult relationship. Whereas the Imago and NVC, it, it's not about bypassing. It's not about that. You've got to have your emotions and there's a space for that. And I can go into that later. Um, and it's a healthy way to do that. But it, it, what it does is it gives you an opportunity to break old patterns that just give you the same old result. That's why it's powerful. There's a simple practice that, you know, people can use. I've done a Margo in the past in couples therapy. Yeah. That shit's easier said than done. A lot easier said than done. It's like, like I just <laughs> very blase. Oh, yeah, mirror, validate, empathy. Yeah, but it's no, it's fucking difficult. Oh, yeah. It really is. And you have to bite your tongue at the same time absolutely and you've got to learn to reflect and be thoughtful and and recall information and remember information as well and and also ask like man it is i i you're right it is very difficult actually very difficult simple not easy i think first time we did it with a therapist in the room probably an hour and a half to get through just one side we had to and wait till the next part of one side as well part of one side. <laughs> yeah that's right. And then we kind of closed up shop and readdressed it in a couple more days. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what happens in between, what, what's actually really good to happen in between. And I think, you, Brian, you'd understand this as well. Cortisol, uh, when we're in stressful situations, we release cortisol, right? Cortisol wants us to move. It doesn't want us to stay. It wants us to move the energy, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, it wants us to, to move our bodies. So what can be really intelligent for us to do is go for walks, is... Um, exercise, you know, you'll, you'll figure out whether you want it to be really intense or less intense, but move your body, like get that cortisol out of your system, get that adrenaline out of your system, right? Like just move it. So it's not fueling your anger. It's not fueling your despair in the relationship, or it's not adding more stress and more pressure to you just enacting your old patterns that are going to trigger your partner's patterns. Cause that's what, often one of the reasons why we come together is to actually trigger each other. And that, and that sounds strange, but we come together to trigger each other to move out of the trigger. See, here's the thing. But how do you get out of the trigger? Techniques like this. But how, how you get out of the trigger is not doing the same thing you've always done. And so when you put a framework or like a, think about bowling, you know how you get the, you get the safety rails? These frameworks are like safety rails. They're gonna keep you on the lane. You're gonna hit something. You're gonna hit something, right? With the safety rails aren't there, you're probably not gonna hit something. <laughs> so that's what, that's what these techniques do. And they keep you not repeating the same old patterns. Because when you do that, all you're doing is you're forging the same old neurological pathways and you're, you're making them more dense and deeper and it makes it harder to break that pattern. So that's one of the ways. And then also releasing, like animating, I'll call it animating the feeling. So if you're feeling anger, it's not, it's not wise for me to throw that anger on you for a number of different reasons, right? But, you know, if we're friends or even my partner, he's my partner, if I'm getting angry at her, her nervous system is, is going threat, 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 threat. So she's going to do what she's accustomed to doing, which is cowering, which is freezing. That's her, that's her, one of the innate responses she learned growing up, right? I'm more fight or flight. I'm either fighting really hard, I'm, I'm, I'm checked out. Whether I'm checked out emotionally or I'm checked out physically, I'm out. That's, that's, that's usually what I do. And, and most people that are fight or flight, they're like that, right? So if she's triggering, maybe she's criticizing me and she's judging me and I feel judged. I'm going to fight or I'm going to fly. I'm going to just check out and completely ignore her. Like literally completely ignore her. I'm going to shut down. I'm going to stonewall. Or I'm going to get really aggressive verbally and emotionally. That, that's, they're my old patterns. Yeah. 
right? So how I do that or how we break that is instead of her criticizing me, she may come to me and say, hey, I want to share something with you. Touch my hand, look me in the eyes, be really soft and gentle, say, I want to share something with you. Um, is it okay to do so? Do you have time now? Sure. I have time? Great. And then she'll start the process where it's she's not saying you did this and I felt this. It's your fault. She's not accusing. She's not accusatory in her language. She's describing how she felt. She's sharing her experience. She can also make requests. Can you can you, you know, take some deep breaths and not take this personally and you know make I don't have to do I don't have to meet those requests. But if she's asking from a really kind place and I see that this is important to her, it's someone that cares about her, I'm going to make changes. You know, we've got to give people some credit as well. Yeah, people are going to, yeah, they want to make changes. They do. And that's one of the ways we start breaking those patterns. Now, it takes time because it took a lot of time to establish those patterns. It takes some time to break them. Do you find technology has made it worse? Because people have a text conversation that things don't come across correctly or someone calls as you're driving and you're pissed off because this guy just cut you off and they don't understand why you're frustrated and you know is it better to do the hand touch like you're saying and doesn't matter which side just to gauge where the person's truly at and look at them versus going from a cold text message or an email or whatever that might be whether business or personal yeah in that context to answer your question, I think technology has heightened the, yes, it's made it worse. So it's heightened the intensity of the interaction. We're relational beings, right? Like we need to be in each other's presence. Like right now, the new reception of our enderic system is saying, you're safe, you're safe, this place is safe, this is cool, we're having a cool conversation. Like that's what's happening. They're the signals, the unconscious signals in my brain. When we're not in each other's physical presence and we're having really difficult conversations that are threatening, that are a threat to our identity. In other words, if we break up, if we divorce, like we have to split our assets, we have to like, you know, you start thinking worst case, I don't know about you, I think worst case scenario and I'm trying to mitigate for that. <laughs> like that's one of the worst case scenarios for me, right? One of a few. Um, again, my hypervigilance is the way I grew up. But most of us have that. Most of us will have that. And so when you're having those intense conversations that are very threatening to one's identity, you want to be in person. I'll give you an example. I'm in a men's group and we have some fucking heated discussions around politics, around leadership, around myriad issues, right? We try and do it over WhatsApp. So we're in a Marco Polo thread and we do it over, and we're in WhatsApp as well. And we try and do it over WhatsApp in voice notes and text message. It is a debacle, man. We end up we end up getting so aggressive and wanting to just fight each other. And we're all close friends. So we 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 have to one of us generally puts a pause on it and then we come together in person and we discuss it and it changes the dynamic because when you're in person with someone that you actually care about and you can see and feel what's happening you can you can you understand the reference of what is actually yeah. and not that yes we yeah. learn as children from looking at our parents and their expression is what you know kind of like back to ed's statement that faces lie but but hands don't type yep. of deal yep that's like the same the same sense is that's how we learned to communicate first was that we learned to read facial expressions. Yeah, nonverbal text things get yeah. things get lost. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Non nonverbal communication is. I mean, I know what the statistic is. They I, I, I say it's like seventy something percent. I think it's a lot more than that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's all. That's why the being in person helps for sure. Um, also, I I saw somewhere that somebody was talking about how we're so connected nowadays that we don't really have separation in anything. Like people used to go to work and you just didn't see them. You had no communication with them. You weren't calling the office. Yeah, I mean, unless it was an emergency, that's sure. the problem, right? Yeah. But people would leave and they would come back and they would have things to talk about. And now by the time we get back, we're just on our devices or in our head because there's pretty much everything that's needed to be said has been said all day long. 
So, so let's unpack that. That's a really interesting point, yeah. right? Because th- that's not only let's look at it from the lens of masculine, feminine polarity, and what yeah. you what you're talking about is space, mm-hmm. space from each other, space to miss each other, space to actually think about each other, space to desire each other. We don't have that. We're no. so interconnected. Yeah. And then what happens is we get home. We used to write letters to each other, love letters. And even think about even before that, even just think about local communities. Yeah. And I say that not because, oh, let's bring the old days back. I think we should bring some of the old things that we used to do yeah. back. Um, and that's always up for discussion. But I say it because biologically, we're still those people we were 500,000 years ago, a million years ago, as hominoids even, two, three million years ago. Mm-hmm. We're still, that's still in our nervous system. That's why I say you can't really separate you know, character and expression from biology completely. Like our hormonal profile is different to women. Anyway, we're going to end that, that rabbit hole. But let's unpack the space piece, right? Now, what happens is we, we get home and we're all, you know, talked out or we're not really interested in each other. But we're still just living this monotonous routine because, well, we've been told by society, you get together with someone, it's easy. Convenience. We live in a, an era of convenience. Right? Yeah. Convenience is very attractive. Well, we live together, we share the space together, we share expenses, we've got a child, blah, 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 whatever it may be. Well, you know, you, we justify it. So we isolate further. So it becomes very convenient for a man. Like technology, you know, I don't have my phone, it's over there. But you get your phone out. And all of a sudden, you've got Pornhub on your phone. You've got gambling on your phone. You've got essentially adrenaline and dopamine right here with no rejection. The porn that you're watching isn't going to tell you that you, you, your dick is too small or it doesn't look good or you, you, you're you too much weight around your midsection or you're not attractive or you're not making the orgasm. Or The phone's not going to do that. The phone's just all about pleasure. Dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. So that becomes very convenient and that becomes also very addictive. Yeah. And then, you know, whether women or not, and I don't know the stats on women so much on, on, on porn usage, but it's very much there and it's still prevalent. Um, and so this isn't just about porn, by the way, but, you know, when you combine AI, sex robots, porn, um, robot- in a bad it's a downslide to civilization. Huh? Let me tell you an interesting it's a good way to end up with no kids, that's yeah. for sure. Well, this is an interesting statistic, yeah. right? So in 2008, a study was done on men in America under the age of 30, 8% of them hadn't had sex wow. under the age of 30. In 2018 or 19, they did that test, they did that, that research study again. Under 30, the amount of males that hadn't had sex was nearly 30%. Wow. Now, there's a reason for that. Wait, why is it trending backwards? No, no, it's, it's got... Because they don't have to anymore. They don't have no to. No rejection. Because you've got smartphones, you've got Pornhub, you've got your unresolved trauma, you've got people not looking at their stuff, wanting to avoid intimacy because intimacy and closeness and human interaction brings up your stuff. It makes you uncomfortable. You spend enough time with someone, you're going to get uncomfortable. People don't like getting uncomfortable. People yeah. don't know how to be uncomfortable anymore. There's so many nuances that fit into this. I, again, the era of era of convenience, the lack of um, resilience that we carry. We're not, we're not equipped for this these days. We, we witness our parents growing up in isolation, not really communicating and having healthy dynamics themselves. So you, all these variables, again, palm of your hand, power. What, what, what did Pia Diamanda say? Um, the, the president, sorry, your smartphone has more power than the president had like in the 1980s or something. Oh, way more power. I mean, a mean because of access to that stuff. <laughs> Any video can go viral in a second and change the world, right? Especially one that's... It might have more power than any world leader today at any moment. And anybody with it in their pocket can use it as such. 
we live in very interesting times, man. Very, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely excited and simultaneously very concerned. Let me ask you another question while we're on this type of topic as well. As uh, I was thinking as you were talking about the divorce thing, why are we so quick to commit but so... I mean, we're quick to commit and quick to quit also in the same in the same breath, right? Is that just a convenience thing for us? Do we not like... Obviously, we took an oath or a vow in marriage or, or in being in a relationship with somebody, but we're like so fast to, to talk about... Mm ending it all and splitting everything up and going our separate ways, knowing that obviously it's it's almost sacrificial for both parties in, in the world that we live in today. You know, a woman has kids now by herself, single woman. She's looked at as damaged goods in some sort of way. Man is same. He's he's losing uh, a part of his well-being and is able to provide for somebody as he's paying for child support or alimony or whatever it is. Mm. Um, it, it seems like we're quick to to be like that, though. We're still quick to run into these relationships, but we're also quick to be like, "That's it. We're we're out of here. This is I'm going to divorce you." Or like, it's kind of kind of odd, huh? Man, I love what you said. It is odd, um, and I have some thoughts on it. I love what you said. Though. I may I may use it with your permission. I may steal it. Quick to commit, quick to quit. Yeah, so true. Yeah. So true. Very well said. Um, in as few words as possible. Excellent. <laughs> Definitely practicing brevity myself. That's that's amazing. Um, so here's here's my take on that. Um, from what I see in the world, our our values are a little distorted. They're a little unclear as a collective, right? Mm -hmm. And and because because our values are a little unclear as a collective, uh, and I think you see that in many of the movements that uh, are taking place today the transgender movement is an example right just one example of, of a few it, it, the environmental movement as well and i'm not saying that our environment doesn't need um our support but there's way more to the story than what meets the eye and so we're we're because our values are so disparate and disconnected we're looking for things to grab onto so that's number one right so how that feeds into the quick to commit quick to quit is that we're just disorientated within ourselves number one as people right the quick to commit is, again, the, the hormonal rush of the honeymoon period, of the limerence phase. A lot's happening. We're still driven by, we're still driven by fertilization driven sex. In other words, we're unconsciously sizing up, uh, our partners. Are they, can they give me a child? A healthy child like that's unconsciously happening with us right and if the pool's strong enough for all the different reasons that we're calculating con consciously and unconsciously then we we attract and what's required to attract is a big hormonal explosion so quick to commit right then you know family values may come into play as well with respect to well i'm, I'm with this person now so maybe i should um, stay with them and then stay with them in long enough and then convenience starts setting in and then the quick to quit is again, I think a byproduct of our society. It's very easy to do that. Couple that with, I'm gonna go back to the false belief that because you can swipe left and right, I mean, especially in LA, right? Thousands, hundreds of thousands of girls or guys, just like that. It gives you this false perception of a plenty efficiency. So she's pissing me off. I'll just leave. I'll find someone else. Easy. Plus, the honeymoon period's far better than actually doing the inner work and working through your stuff and, and healing more of yourself to become a more mature version of yourself. Right? That's what we're essentially avoiding. 
when I said greater the pain, greater the pleasure, the greater the pleasure required to mitigate the pain that we're avoiding. So we'll be in those seeking activities of adrenaline, dopamine, you know, um, success at work, accolades, um, notches on the belt, drugs, uh, you know, excessive travel, everything's in excess, right? And it's for the purpose that, that what's underneath it is not, I'm genuinely interested in this thing and I'm coming from a healthy place. It's more of I'm compensating. I need to avoid something. So I need to fill, fill my life up with this. And, and we have this belief that, oh, I'll just swipe and I'll find another person. Again, pornography, the convenience of that. I wasn't joking when I said robots and sex robots. That's common. So it's already here. It's already here. So man, some of the robots that a new couple that with AI, but you think about it, like the Japan are coming, um, coming out with and, um, some, um, uh, countries in Europe and Western Europe, um, Holland being one of them, Sweden being another, these companies are there. Man, these, you can make to order these sex robots. Now you couple them with AI. You know, the Turing test, right? The, the, when, when you, the humans can't tell the difference when they're interacting with an, an AI or a human. Yeah. Can you imagine that in a robot that is going to meet your every need, is going to tell you how amazing you are? That's going to fuck up every relationship. Maybe we're, it's interesting because I just had this thought that, uh, Maybe we're looking at the wrong bad side of AI, right? Maybe it makes our life too convenient and we have population collapse because we don't want to deal with each other anymore because why? This is a genuine concern in, this in the is realm. now a genuine concern for me. You're right. As you're saying it, I'm starting to think and as you're saying the, the, the 30% and the men that haven't had sex and everything else, why? Why would you, why would you waste your time? It, it's, I'll, I'll tell you one of my shadows. So I'm pretty transparent when I come on these. I just share myself, right? Like I, you know, and I don't share anything that's inappropriate, that's like sensitive to maybe Christine or whatever. But I'll just share about me. This is me. One of my shadows is I would very happily sit on the couch. I'm a very active person, by the way. I'm always out there. We were talking about the guns before. Like I love learning. I train with special ops guys as well. Special. I mean, I just love learning. I'm always out there. But one of my shadows, I can very easily sit on the couch. With a lot of food, because food is also a coping mechanism for me, or was for a long, long time. It still is, still is, right? Just I have a, a far better relationship to it now. But because of what I grew up with, I didn't, as a five-year-old kid, I wasn't having sex. I was eating food to feel better. Greater yeah. the pain, greater the pleasure. And I had grandparents that could cook very good food, Italian and Greek. <laughs> so I was sitting on the couch with a big lot of food. And not, not bad food, I just healthy food, but a lot of it. And just watch movies. And that's another escapism for me is, is, is film and cinema, and that, right? So I'll put my hand up. That's a lot easier than having a difficult conversation. 100%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or getting on my motorcycle and just disappearing for a couple hours. Love that too. <laughs> yeah. So why? Not why. Um, so many people now are so quick to call it quit and they just openly throw it out multiple times throughout a relationship yeah. over time that pattern ingrains in the other person seems like we're set up to fail from the start we somewhat are because we're not taught how to deal with our stuff and the reason why we keep planting those and, and i can be guilty for that as well I, i've said that i'm yeah. speaking from yeah from actual actuality yeah. i mean and i think all of us are sitting yeah. here yeah talking yeah. about our own, our own. yeah yeah, situation. I've said to my current wife, and, and, and uh, she's the only wife I've had, my, my, my current partner, my wife yeah. now, and previous partners, you know what, when we're in an argument, we should just, this is, we should end this. Yeah. And there's 
parts of that part convenience part i don't want to face this stuff yeah. part i'm fed up part i'm just running away from the actual thing that's happening that's actually for me there's something in it for me but i don't want to look at it because it feels too big at the same time right and i think that's the, and, and and while we see that going back to your question those things a very powerful question that you ask is why we see that is insecurity and testing we're testing our partners can we be the worst version of ourselves and can they still love us because oh, subconsciously doing this? yes yeah we're not we're not waking up in the morning going let me fuck my life. I'm going to fuck this up so I recognize It's all unconscious because we deify our parents. Like we're these yeah. little, little beings looking up to these caretakers that have us. And if we we know in our nervous systems, we can't put, verbalize it, pre-verbal, we know that if they don't look after us, we're done. So we deify them. We project God or some element or some expression of God onto them. We do the same thing with our partners unknowingly. And so can God love all of me? Can he love the worst parts of me? The answer is no. <laughs> the answer is of course, yes. But let me tell you why it's no, because you don't love all of yourself. You don't love your worst parts. And until I love my worst parts, and it's still in the process and a relationship of loving my worst parts, I can't expect someone else to love them for me. And it's sort of, oh, love yourself before someone else loves you. It's actually not that. That's I'm sort of in that camp, but not really actually. That's that's some of that's a load of shit too, because we're relational beings. Like, if your wife is really struggling, like really, really struggling, and you can see through the struggle, like you can see, you sort of have a meta picture of it. You, she can't love herself for whatever reasons you're going to love her so deeply that she learns to love herself again through your example. That's why I don't buy into that full self-love movement of if you don't love yourself, no one will love you. Bullshit. Right? There's a bit of a recipe there, but there's, there's, there's elements of that. But I have to learn to love the worst parts of me so I can openly bring those to my partner so I can give her an opportunity to reflect back to me in non-judgment and compassion. That's a lot of healing just right there. I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm not, again, it's not like I feel physically threatened, but safe, emotionally safe to be me. And I'm accepted because as human beings, we want to be heard. We want to be seen. We want to be accepted. We want to be respected. That's basically it. Like yeah. if we have that, we're pretty happy. For sure. Huh? But getting to that's tough because of our own self-worth and our own security. The people that just give up halfway and they just say, fuck it, hit the abort button. Yeah. Very rarely has that happened in the 23 years I've been doing this. Um, but it has happened a couple of times and it generally happens with people that are, um, uh, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way that are immature on their healing journey, immature, meaning again, no, no, um, uh, criticism there more so that they haven't been in some really difficult places and it's too confronting for them. It's too scary. It's probably only happened literally once or twice. Maybe twice. Once when I was probably like over ten years ago, and once maybe three years ago. And this this gentleman was a you know a high net worth individual, probably worth I don't know two hundred million bucks. Very successful. I say that to mention he's a very successful person, but really struggled to connect to and was willing though he was willing and he worked with me for a number of he worked with me for nine months. Right, so it was not like he didn't do. So just him, he not put in the work. Just him. He did put in the work. He did. He did. But we got to a place where we were going deeper and he just couldn't. It was too much pressure from what was happening in his life. And he just went back to what he knew, which was just work hard. Yeah. Grind. 